Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. I saw your Be Good Baker running by again the other day, says I to L, Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's Be Good Bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fibre. Whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the first Left Wing podcast of 2024. Will Slattery here with you and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald to digest all the rugby over the festive period and hit on all the major talking points that have popped up over the last two weeks. I hope all the listeners have had a nice Christmas and look forward to a nice new year. Luke, how are you? Goodwill. And then there were two. I know, yeah. Just the, the, two, the two uh, amigos. The OGs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lads, uh, Rod Keane and, and uh, Jonathan Bradley taking a well-earned break this week, obviously. Uh, I, think, I think it's a, a break week for rugby this weekend. So the lads taking, yeah, as I said, a well-earned break after the festive period. You know, busy time for rugby, obviously, as you well know, Luke. Uh, throughout your career while the rest of us are relaxing and pigging out and going out on the beer you guys have to be a little, a little more disciplined uh, what is it like for players I've definitely asked you this before but we've been going so long at this stage that what you said in year one is probably you know, seven years old now so I'm, we can revisit again now what is it like you know this time of year player wise like, what, what do you remember from your career when you had big games Stevens Day New Year's Day and all that yeah no pretty miserable Will um, just um don't think we ever did the Christmas Day training session, but we certainly had a lot of the Christmas Eve, obviously, which in fairness, you know, sometimes you could end up working that day as well. I think from from time to time, I think I've worked that half day in work as well. So, um, yeah, look, it's tricky. I think the, the hard part is actually trying to contain yourself uh, diet wise. Like that's the most that's the most well and the drink, obviously, as well. It's always nice to go out and have a few pints with friends and catch up with people, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, around Christmas period, so that was always a bit of a bummer. But um, no, other than that, I mean, look, they're great games and they're generally interpros. So you're, you I mean, you're definitely into it. You know what I mean? You're and, and you're kind of buzzing for those games. And I think as well, you're always very well. I was always very conscious that this time of year, given their interpros, right before that international selection uh, window, isn't it? So I'm sure we're going to get into a bit of that now as uh, th- through the show, but. That was always that 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 always helped focus the mind and ease the pain a little bit of not having that extra slice of turkey, you know. Yeah, exactly. And we, like we got some high drama over the last couple of weeks, like especially yesterday. Like going into yesterday's games on paper, I was expecting to be them to be maybe enjoyable, but like Leinster Ulster will start there. Like what a win for Ulster! You know, we've given them a kicking over the last couple of weeks, and I, I'd say justifiably they haven't been at their best. Got that big win over Racing a couple of weeks ago. Potentially that was the spark they needed because what a what a what a victory to get at the RDS. What stood out to you about you know how they went about their business? Oh, well, I think you'd have to say the steely nature of it, Will, wasn't it? I mean, look, they obviously scored some great tries, and 
as much as I've given Billy Burns lots of stick over the year, the first thing, thing never, I thought of. The first thing I thought uh, yeah, of. Yeah, I know. As I was watching, I was saying, oh, this God, one's for I'm you, Fitzgerald. Uh, well, look, I, I, do you know what? You have to always be, you know, when someone, you got to give someone their flowers when they have put in a big performance. And I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, and I was I was pleased for him. Like, that's, that's a pressure gig up there, you know, and there's been, things haven't gone right. They've had lots of injuries at different periods. And that's a tricky job for now to have. Now, I still, <laughs> I maintain my position on it, but uh, what would, what kind of disappointed me about Lencer is that regardless of how I've criticized Billy Burns over the years, I've always maintained his short kicking game is always excellent, isn't it? Like he's he's really good at those little chips in the middle of the pitch. His crossfield kicking is always good. Um, and he really exposed Leinster very, very badly, I thought, at different uh, different stages in that first half. Um, and I think, you know, alongside his very good performance, and in fairness, the team performance, because there was lots of guys that held good positions to open up the pitch and to expose Leinster once they made breaks. Um, you know, I, I think that was very pleasing for them. It must have been very pleasing for them. And I think as well, look, the defensive side, because it was a lot, it was a real spirited performance. Um, a lot of people stood up in that pack, thought Timoney was excellent. Kitsoff looks like he might be worth the worth worth the cash. He was brilliant when he was on the pitch. Um, so that'll be really pleasing for them because he's gonna be like he's their marquee guy, you know, and he'll be leading that pack alongside Henderson. So um, yeah, look, brilliant, brilliant team performance by them. They dug in really well, and they can be really, really pleased with that road win. That could be it could be their Munster South Africa, couldn't it? Um, the last couple of weeks. You think of that wrestling one, but that was a home game. The away games, I always feel like if you can dig in and get a few of those wins, Will, that's what gives you that belief. And it can also help you with the consistency. You're not a week-to-week team, good at home, bad away. A few of those wins can really set you on a bit of a run. So um, I'm sure McFarland and the team up there um, you know, we'll be hoping that this is some kind of catalyst for this team to give them that little bit of consistency that we've been, we've all been really looking for. Will, yeah, and it's, I think, especially when you said it against their performance of the ODS last year when they had a big lead, uh, Leinster roared back in the second half. I think Don Keane Healy was sent off in the first half, so with 14 men roared back, it was a massive collapse, and then Ulster spiraled after that. So to go to the same ground again, as you said, show a bit of steel, hold out Leinster because to be fair, the Leinster onslaught did come. Now, maybe Leinster will obviously be kicking themselves for coughing up a lot of chances, but Ulster did hold them out. So I think from that point of view, given what happened last year as well, it's probably even doubly satisfying. Oh, it was. But like, look, Leinster were like, yes, they had themselves to blame. I think the one on 74 minutes with Frank Murphy, I think, was... I thought that was a bad decision. Do you remember the, the lockdown? Was sorry? It the, was no, the sorry, the Lens- sorry, the It was the, the kick over the top uh, by Russell. He chased it down, catches Larry... Mm. That was a bad decision. That was a really bad decision by by Murphy. You could see. I think it was. I don't know if it was Alan O'Connor. So someone was in there from the Ulster side who was actually picking. He was actually holding the ball from his side. So actually, it was a penalty against him because he the, the rook had formed. But he gave it for Leinster. Kind of, they, they put massive, massive pressure on him. They were obviously driving them backwards, and um, he gave it for. I think I don't know who it was in the end, but maybe I think Doris was off the pitch at this edge. Someone put their put their hands down on the ground. But I thought the penalty was 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 given already. I thought O'Connor had actually picked up the ball. He was the he was the um the Ulster rooker at that stage. Um so I thought that was a bad one by by Frank to miss. But look, it was really difficult conditions. I just felt like that was an obvious one to miss. And Leinster, I'm sure, will feel a little aggrieved. But look, they had other chances still, you know, and even I thought Harry Byrne was really good when he came on. I thought he got really unlucky with that 50-22 attempt. Um 
maybe uh, I don't know was that on 72 minutes or yeah. something like that that was really tricky and, and, and unlucky you could see the head was in the hands there I, I, that was unfortunate but look can happen in those conditions the penalty at the end though Will has to go to touch I mean He's too good for that. He's a really skillful player, you know. That's never been a complaint in his game. And he's played in tough conditions the last couple of weeks. So that can't really be a complaint either, that it was, you know, a bit of a shock to the system. So that was a bad miss for him. I actually thought he had a good second half. So Lancer did have some opportunities. Just on the penalty at the end, like the thought did occur to me, you know, Frawley and La Rochelle, what, three or four weeks ago, nailed it from like the halfway line with a bit to spare. I know it was inside their own half. I actually thought Frawley, they could have gone, I was like, they could go for the post here. I, like, Frawley, I think, had a big boot. Ah. Now, he wasn't playing at half. So, obviously, I don't know if Harry Byrne felt he had the ownership of that moment. He was like, we're going up the liner. He's very the captain might have said, here, look, it's it's, very, it's 55 meters you're talking about. So, it was a low percentage kick. But just the way he kicked that one in La Rochelle, it was still going over the crossbar, like, despite being a 50 yeah, meter. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I had never thought about it. I hadn't even considered that as an option, Will, because I just feel like the two situations were quite different. Where they, I mean, when you, when you contextualize why you're taking that one in La Rochelle versus why you're taking that one against Ulster pressure is different um you know I I think the conditions were might have been worse um slightly they were pretty wet Same, yeah, as pretty well similar, yeah. but slightly slightly worse I think the wind maybe wasn't it was prevalent but not as prevalent um behind his back I, I do think he probably would have had the legs but the the ground under it underground looked very very wet you just see the ball anytime it yeah, hit no, the look, ground, it, was, it was like sliding through it was pretty awful conditions so I actually didn't have a problem with the, with the option I'd say Leinster felt like they might have been able to put themselves in a better position from that penalty and kind of work their way maybe either get a penalty from Ulster um or you know I don't know possibly put themselves in drop goal conditions although as I said, the the way the ball was dropping on the ground, yeah. I, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been keen on a drop goal option, Will. So so um yeah, look, I think to my mind the option was okay to go to touch, just the execution was poor, yeah. you know. It's only because of what I saw in La Rochelle, literally went because similar similar distance and he had the legs that day, and I thought there was a lot in the leg. And I it wasn't just after the fact, like as soon as the, the penalty was given, I was just assessing where it was. I was like, could he go yeah, for this? Yeah, yeah, no, I could I actually hadn't even considered it, Will. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting. You that was the Which, first to be fair, like Harry Byrne immediately picked it up, like they kind of went up, they didn't like discuss it. It was very quick up the line. So perhaps they were all like you, because it was so far out, they didn't even really Give it a. Well, a, I, a I just thought. think you know to win the game, will you probably want to? I, I think they probably would have backed themselves, given that they were pressurizing Ulster. Yeah. Um, you know they had. You know, I I felt like that maybe even though they'd gotten out of that, um, gotten they'd obviously brilliant kick from Doak into the corner and worked their way back up to that position. Felt like maybe the momentum was possibly with them and that the uh, Ulster pack was flagging, given they'd had that scrum pen as well just before. So maybe they felt like it was a lower percentage option. You know. Just to go back to uh, Billy Burns and the kicking game, because just listening to Dan McFarland afterwards, I, I thought it was interesting that he was like the way Lens are defending this season, like they're kind of they they can be exposed by that sort of kicking game. And I thought it was interesting for him to say that. It's not something I particularly noticed this year that jumps to mind. But do you do, do you agree with that? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I was on I was on Premier on. Um, the uh for, for the Leinster Munster game and I uh, you know it was one of the things that I'd kind of picked out um but I actually wasn't allowed to show it because it was from the sale match. If you saw the sale match oh, how yeah, badly the exposed scored, they were. Sorry, yeah. yeah so they really we, we couldn't we couldn't show the clips. I said listen I'll clip up a load of these clips of Leinster getting exposed with, with kicking ends but they're like well that's cup game so we won't be showing that <laughs> um <laughs> so um yeah look if you look sale really exposed them obviously there was a lovely set play um where the the nine put it like it was off a second phase and they put through a lovely grubber and that was 
that was a set play. But there was one at the start of the game and a few throughout where um, I think the start of the game, a sale player actually slipped. They got down the side of the pitch um, and put through a lovely grubber kick. And the sale player, I don't know which, I don't know if it was the winger or the fullback, um, actually slipped once the grubber went through. But they they were they had Leinster dead to rights if he had stayed in his feet. Um, so I kind of picked out a lot of that stuff for for um, to, to focus on. And I actually thought to go back to Ulster and to focus on what a good performance they had, I didn't just think that they exposed Leinster in the kicking game and obviously for the try they did, um, you know, were, were off, that, off that set play, but the, the, the passing inside was really, really prevalent throughout, Will, I thought. They, you know, the way Leinster are obviously trying to push teams back into that space inside. Um, the little pop passes back inside um, were really, really good throughout the game. So that takes a lot of bravery to do that, to do that in those conditions and I thought they exposed Leinster there combined with what I think has been pretty sloppy Leinster tackling. So it's all well and good to push people back into places where you want them to be. You still have to make the tackles, Will. You know, I've had a big problem with this. Like kind of Leinster players, they look like they're kind of... My, my worry about Ninabar coming in in this system is that, yes, he is defensive expert, but... Uh, the South African guys are such physical people. Like, they're such a... They're, they're like... They are perfectly built for this kind of game. They don't even have to hit you unbelievably perfectly for you to go down. They're such big men. I just wonder, you know, trying to impose this kind of South African mentality on a, on, a, on a Leinster team, will it pay dividends? It's too early to say, and I'm not, I don't want to be critical, but it is a concern I have. And also, if you do have a good kicking game, can you expose it? And I think so far what we have seen is that they haven't figured out how to cover those short kicks very well. Um, so, you know, is that something that they adjust to or do they up the speed and come even harder off the line? But I don't know. I, I just feel like this, it's a very risky system. It's really good if it works. Um, I do think South Africa can get away with it because they have such big bodies. Um, you know, they don't even need to hit you that purely to get it. But I think if Leinster are doing it, I think it, just from what I've seen of Leinster the last couple of years, I, I think they need to put in some serious time into their tackle technique. I think they're still diving at lots of things and missing way more tackles than they need to. And they're overextending themselves just a little bit. So it's my one worry with this system, Will. I thought it looked a little bit exposed on the weekend. Um, However, I will say it is early days, just as with the La Rochelle win away in the in the really tough conditions where everyone was praising Nina Barr, um, you know, the new system, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't get too far ahead of myself on that. I, I think the conditions helped them there. Um, I think there's still work to do on this and the Leinster team still need to get a little bit more comfortable with it. And I think their accuracy levels have to go up because I thought Ulster were brilliant. I thought they exposed them in the kicking game and I thought their passing and carrying was really, really good. So um, kudos to, to Ulster on that. It was a brilliant, uh, brilliant display, I thought. Yeah, the break weekend probably maybe comes at a good time for Leinster. An extra training week ahead of the Champions Cup double header. More time for the players to bet in with Ian because he wouldn't have gotten a huge amount of training pitch time yet because the games came ticking fast after he came in. Like La Rochelle was the first his first match, I think, as after he coming in. So obviously hasn't had a huge amount of time. I would have thought on, on the uh, training pitch. For the, he was in for the Connacht one, wasn't he? Oh yeah, sorry, that was his first game the week yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. You know, yeah, it was, it was you know a quick, a quick adjustment. Couple and of tight ones, couple of tight ones so yeah. far, Will hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, no. I wonder if that like, this is the first tight one that he's lost, but he's had three on the bounce. You know, where uh, like Connacht obviously was that last minute frawly try. Uh, obviously, the the La Rochelle one was tight, but the Munster one was pretty pretty squeaky bum time too. Even though they got the kick at the end, that made it kind of look comfortable. Like they were all pretty 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 rugged wins, weren't they? Yeah, it's funny just on Dean Aber, like he, I was listening, I saw you know, a video on Instagram, he was on some podcast, you know, an English podcast, and he's a very impressive speaker, like he really is, like I'd say the players will really benefit from having in Leinster a new voice, obviously Lancaster did great work, but he'd been there for seven years, this is a real new guy coming in with new ideas, and he seems a real inspirational 
character, but also a very good man manager as well. Like he seems to really be able to connect with the players. I know himself and Sia Khaleesi have a very kind of you know, deep you know relationship it seems, and I, I think it'll be interesting just to see even from a player perspective. I'm sure that the players in Leinster are delighted to get a new character in with new ideas and a new way of doing things. He's so I, I'm not I won't say any names to portray any confidences, but I've I, I live in the locale will uh, around <laughs> UCD. And so bumped into a few of them around the coffee shops and spars. And yeah, no, the word has been really, really impressive. And uh, quoting an old pal of mine in there, one of the older older cohorts says he, he comes across really, really smart, you know, really, really intelligent on the game. So, yeah, look, I think he'd have a big impact. Um, as you said, probably too early to get ahead of ourselves in the La Rochelle one. And, and, and again, still too early to be really, really disappointed with the, with the, with the Ulster and to, the Ulster performance and to see some kind of trend that, that we're saying we're not happy with. I do think we're seeing some of the traits come through, but it's going to take time for them to bed in. And, um, you know, we, he, he should be given the time. And let's face it, that was still a close game and Leinster showed a lot of grit uh, to, to get themselves back into it. Now, the argument is, should they have, did they... <laughs> did they really need to have to show that grit? Like, do you want to be putting yourself in that well, position? It, and I, and right. I do think anyone watching this Lancer team over the last couple of years, yeah, the tackle technique, it, it's a basic thing, but they miss way too many tackles, you know? And I think they need to get that sorted out. They're too good a team to, to be missing these ones. That's why I've been really harsh on it. Well, I know it probably seems like I'm a bit of a, a grumpy old man at this stage, but I, I really am. It's the one thing that I look at this Lancer team and say, that's a problem, you know, because even against La Rochelle, where they have struggled with the size, and that's obviously been the big thing, obviously the Saracens conversation too, can they deal with the big packs? Um, you know, that, that I, th- I, I've, I think that's been less of an issue. I still think that they have been actually missing big tackles in big games too often. And I, and I think it's something that they need to have a look at themselves. And if they're not looking at it, it'd be a big worry for me if I was a Leinster supporter, you know, obviously I have to try and be unbiased, but um, you know, where, where I'm not doing my podcast, I am a Leinster supporter and it's something that I'm watching closely. Will you mentioned at the start of the show, kind of like this time of year, kind of shop window ahead of Ireland squad selection, like anyone from an Ulster perspective now, having gotten that big scalp who you might think, Oh, they might be closer now to maybe getting a call up than you might've thought before yesterday. Um, I'd say maybe Stockdale. Stockdale might be looking like he might be getting back in there. I think he's had a couple of good weeks. Um, finished the tries well. Um, bit bit lucky at the end with the with that that hitting his shoulder and dropping it. Uh, wasn't he the, the Harry Byrne kick? I thought that was really jammy, but he probably deserves a little bit of luck. He's had some bad injury luck. Um, I like him. Um, I think obviously you know concerns around him defensively, but I think he's gotten a little bit better there. Um, he's a big man. He played well just before the World Cup squad was announced, probably just too little too late. So he's a guy I think maybe uh, has a good op- opportunity. Andy um, Farrell really likes him as well. Like he's Andy Farrell's always kind of tried man, to bring Will. him it's in. It's easy to like a big guy and he's quick. You know, he's a bit it's easy to like a big man in rugby in, in international rugby. You need you just need to be a certain size unless you're a bit of a freak like you're sick hearing me saying this, but unless you're like a Colby, a Shane Williams, or a Jason Robinson, you need to be a big man. You know, you do. Otherwise, you're you're always under pressure. And and, and he's a big man and a good finisher. So, um, yeah, Stockdale, I think, might get back in. Um, you know, and obviously Lowe, we don't know what's what, what the issue is there, but he obviously hasn't been around. So there might be an opportunity uh, possibly there. It looks uh, like Mac Hansen picked up an injury yesterday as well. So like, you know, Mac Hansen, I think, got a shoulder injury yesterday. He could be potentially... Saw that, although he's on fire. If he has one shoulder, he might be... Like, I just... He, I know he had a few slice kicks against, uh, against Munster now at different stages of the game. Yeah. Um, kind of end up being crucial. But I just... From a guy who I didn't think... I just thought he was going to be kind of airy fairy, like not great technically, 
uh, struggle defensively. He has completely changed my mind. He's like my, one of my favorite players to watch, Will. I really, really love watching him play. I think he's such a snazzy rugby player now. Got it all. Great tackler. Really good on the ground. Gets you a poach or two. His kicking's brilliant. His ball handling is brilliant. And he's so so good in attack, Will. He is actually one of the, like, I'm not going to say he's a, he, he, is he the most complete? He might be the most complete player we have. Um, natural flair as well. Can come up with a big moment. I love watching Mac Hansen. From a guy who, I, I swear to God, I was like, this is all hype. Like, silly haircuts and tattoos. But absolute quality player. Like, really, really love watching him play. He recovered from, I actually think it could have been on New Year's Day a few years ago, Dan Sheehan stepping him for a try at the RDS a few, <laughs> a few years ago. As, as time has gone on, that has looked less like a really a really glaring error to maybe yeah. being, well, that Sheehan's actually just a freak athlete, isn't he? But yes. no, look, back, back to the Ulster guys, I, I do think that um, McCluskey now, maybe, I think, look, Aki had such a good World Cup, but McCluskey is, he was brilliant on the weekend, you know, in messy conditions, you love to have him in your in, in your team. Um, probably haven't seen enough of Hume since the World Cup, or I haven't really to really have a, have a view on whether he gets back in or not. I think that race is going to be closer with with Ring Rose because I think he might have caught up a little bit. Um, and it's good to see him back from injury. But Marshall is obviously in there on the weekend, you know, so hard to know whether he's done enough. Will um, Timoney like Timoney definitely has been playing well. You know, he he could be someone um, that I think might might work his way in there as well. Um, Herring, you know, but I know he's already in there, but I just can't see him pushing past Kelleher or, or Sheehan, but he was good on the weekend and in wet conditions as well, the scrum, you know, he's he apparently is a very good scrummager, so they're the guys that probably have, have sprung out. I think Henderson obviously as well had a great World Cup campaign, um, real leader for that team, and it's, I, I, you know, the key thing for me with Ulster is kind of keep him fit and he's been, he's kept fit, you know, so that's been a good thing coming into Six Nations that he's fit. Because um, we know he's a quality player, so they're the guys. Will I think that are probably stood out. I know hard to pick, but I, I'd say Stockdale's my my. If I was to pick one, he's the guy. I'd probably be saying mm, he's really improved his stock. Hmm. What a big game yesterday, Connick Munster in the sports ground. If you were a Munster fan who went on Stephen's Day to Limerick and then up to Galway uh, oh. yesterday, God, I hope you got some rain gear for Christmas because you would have been absolutely oh, poor Donahue as well. Will Donahue yeah. and it looks like uh, that looked like a nasty enough one with Jaeger as well. Hopefully that maybe just as just yeah. a, you know a bad knock to the head. I didn't I didn't hear anything else. Will did you? No, no, I haven't yet. The the injuries are just piling up by the game. They've like so since we last spoke. Obviously, we spoke after their two disappointing Champions Cup weekends. They've since lost to Leinster and lost to Kynes and picked up like a number of more injuries, all of them which appear to be serious. Now, now if you actually look at the season as a whole, 11 games played, they've only won four of them. The injury list is huge. It's just, it's been, it's kind of gone off the rails results-wise and injury-wise the last couple of weeks. I still don't think like it's panic crisis necessarily, albeit the results have been poor because I still think they're going ultimately in the right direction but it's been a very bad couple of weeks on a number of fronts for Munster yeah like look there's definitely sorry there's obviously a huge amount of bad luck but yeah. you know, you do hear a few rumblings about maybe are they overtraining a little bit as well uh, I, I don't know if that's got out into media circles yet uh, I don't know if you've heard anything on that Will but I did hear that from someone in casual conversation who's kind of not close to the but you know a former player basically and um yeah, that'll be an interesting one to watch to see if they think there's something there, you know, because obviously they're going to have to assess. I mean, there's obviously some bad luck ones. The O'Donoghue one was a bad challenge by, by Ralston. I don't think there was any intention, but... Um, Do you think that was a red card? I don't know. It's a bit reckless, isn't it? But I could see yeah. why he was trying to do it. And in fairness, O'Donoghue, I think what, what Ralston saw was like, oh, I'm late to this rook. I better get in there quickly, get my body height right. And I think he might have felt like O'Donoghue was going to be coming towards him, whereas O'Donoghue actually went, I think... 
if I'm right in getting my <laughs> trying to put myself in the position, I think O'Donoghue kind of went left towards a month uh, a Connacht player that was already kind of competing with him. So I don't think he. I think he anticipated a collision that actually never happened. O'Donoghue went slightly different way, but. I don't know, like if you're done that wouldn't be much consolation. And he did come in a bit reckless off his feet. And you could see the, the yeah. I, I thought the top of his body was just too far away from his from his feet. Um, you know, to, to be able to control himself going in there. So yeah, I, I think he might be it might have been a lucky boy to only get a yellow there, I think. Yeah. Initially I thought a yellow was probably right, but then I've kind of been reflecting on it and like ultimately he came in from the side recklessly, you know, hit him kind of low, kind of dangerously around the knee and like they're the, they're the kind of challenges or the kind of clear outs you don't want to see in rugby like so maybe a stricter uh, sanction was required just to kind of like I know he didn't probably, he didn't mean that I don't think he meant to target his no, knee no no yeah no I think we all agree that one will it's not a good look but though. he was le- he was reckless he was in the side and he ultimately did like get him in a really vulnerable position the side of the leg I'm just like that's the kind of clear out we do not want to see. So maybe in this case or cases like that, you should just be like, "That's a red card." And the next time Byron Ralston is late to a rook, he'll assess his options maybe differently than what he did. And he'll say, weekend. "Right, well, I've got to get him up straight away rather yeah. than actually really, like, you know what I mean? You got to take a chance that, that he hasn't got his hands on the ball. You know that you made a mistake rather yeah. than trying to overcorrect and completely melt a guy. You know, um, with, with, with bad technique. So. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a it's a tough one. You'd never be calling for you hate calling for a sanction for this one, will, but like it, it doesn't look good. And in fairness, from O'Donoghue's perspective, like that's not much consolation to him. Yeah. Now could be out for the season, another couple of weeks on the sideline, maybe you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it looked bad, for... looked nasty. I think so. We we'll wait and see on that one. Yeah, it did. Graham Rowntree was, I know, very perplexed by that, and I think he mentioned the Jaeger one as well afterwards, which seemed a kind of a random collision. But he looked in a very bad way going off as well. Like, is it? Yeah, I, I actually didn't. There wasn't a great visual on the Jaeger one. It looked like it was kind of an awkward collision. It looked like he got a. It looked like he was dipping down as well, though, didn't he? Is that was not the mitigation in it? I think is that he had actually. Yeah, well, Rowntree said it was or... looked at, and they didn't. They didn't take any action on that one at all. I don't think so. Like, but yeah, but to lose two more players, a dog bow obviously went on Stevens Day. They already have a lengthy injury list. Oh man, he hasn't played in a long, in like a long time. And like, what what do you make of what like where where their season is heading now? Like, is, is it almost like just get through this period and almost not not think the next year, obviously? But they're they're kind of the Champions Cup hopes are probably pretty much dead. They're already outside the top eight at the moment in the league. They'll obviously try to get back in there. But in terms of like winning another trophy this year. Just with their injury oh. list and where they are at the stage, I just can't see it happening. No, I, I, you know what? I think it's it's survival mode. Look, obviously they're going to be living in hope, and I think they've got a good coaching staff, some good young players. But um, I don't know. I feel like they're under massive pressure now. Will I don't know. Like it, it sounds like you you're of the same mind. Um, you know, the the only good thing for them is that they might get to have a bit of a look at some of the younger talent coming through your Gleasons and and Butlers and these guys. Maybe get more opportunities. Um, what did you make of Tony Butler? I thought he was all right, yeah. I thought yeah. he was pretty, pretty solid. Um, you know, looks a small guy. I'm always I go back to that. You always be a little bit concerned about a guy who's not a not a big fella. Um, you know, just coming up, you saw the few bits of contact that Aki had with him, who's obviously a very big man, but um just looked like you know, men and boys there a little bit. So hopefully he kind of fills out a little bit more on that one. But I'm not sure he has the the frame to get too much bigger. Um, you know, so that'd be um That'd be a little bit concerning for me as he goes on, you know, because I like you look at Crowley. Like Crowley is what was well able to mix it up with everyone. He's a good athlete. Um, he's a you know a big enough chunky guy, uh, and he'd be able to survive most collisions. And looks like he's up for the up for the physical battle too. So that's what he's up against, you know. So it looks to me like that you know he'd be on the back foot in that battle. Um, 
just based on that, not on the skills. But look, he looked good as well. Like, I mean, I was I was pleased for him. I think it didn't go too obviously they lost the game, but it was yeah, he had a few good moments in it, I thought as well. Nice fifty. Yeah, one lovely fifty twenty two. Yeah, really nice 50-22, wasn't it? So that was a good bit of play, and that'll give him a bit of a lift. There was obviously a few other things, like maybe there was a bad block down in the, I think it was in the first half. Um, speaking of block downs, how did Munster not finish? Those, there was two on the line. I was like, Coombs, <laughs> like Gavin could have just there, there. Like, in a day where it's torrentially raining, points are going to oh, be at an absolute. What is he doing? Green. Picking it up, Will? Just Why are you picking that up? It was like, I'd I know, expect, I I, like, to be honest. I'd expect a lot more rugby smarts from someone like that who's a who's like a Munster starting number eight. He's been in an international setup. You have to know just to put your hand on that ball and why you're trying to pick it up and put it back down when you're when yeah, your knee sliding was, out. You know what? Just a natural, not a natural finisher. Like I, I fell for him. He he it made him look like a bit of a plotter, you know, like a kind of a real hard-working player without much smarts, which I don't think he is because he actually showed. So he's a guy who's been in Ireland squads who Andy Farrell hasn't had much faith in and like I'm not saying like Andy Farrell is going to point at that me like oh that's why you're not there but like I'm thinking you like I have to get that one another back row who's got challenging for Ireland international positions there's not I don't a, think makes well, that mistake the, the key thing is there's not one other back rower that would have made that mistake can yeah. you like, like you know what I mean any of the guys he's competing with wouldn't have yeah like Caelan Doris is not going to like it, look, it happens yeah. you make mistakes but that was a bad one it would have given them a huge lift at the start of the game and would have really deflated Connacht I think um, but even how they didn't get the tie, not the tie. I don't know who who followed it up, but tie burn got a good block close to the line as well. <laughs> they didn't finish that one as well. So, uh, look, it wasn't just one. They had, they definitely did have a few opportunities to put themselves in a way better position. But look, on balance, I think you know Connacht did survive very well in those moments. Defended pretty well in the most part when when they didn't put themselves in trouble through kind of sloppy you know, blocking of, of chasers and things like that to, to help get their kicks away. They actually were, were pretty good themselves. Do you know what has been interesting? I was actually meant to say to you, Zebo has been really good. I wonder, I wonder, is there a chance that he might get back in? Now, he's not as good as Keenan, but no, he's bloody good. We, we were saying recently, I think it was after the Leinster-Munster game when he kind of appeared for the first time in a long time and played really well. And, and, and I made the point that he's starting at full back for a province. So therefore, he is automatically by default almost like, you know, in the reckoning. And especially given there's no cover for Hugo Keenan, really. There's no established 15. There's like Jimmy O'Brien could be there. Mac Hansen can't play 15, but there's no out and out 15 cover. So like, he, I think he is in the reckoning, especially with these two Champions Cup games to come in two weeks' time. If he plays back-to-back there, say and plays really well again, I'd say there's a good chance he's in the Ireland squad. He makes so few errors. For a guy who does lots of like kind of... Um... You know, he, he he not not flamboyant stuff, but he definitely does some kind of tricky, skillful stuff quite quite consistently. You know, takes nice lines across the pitch, brings other players in, has a, has a lovely passing game, nice kicking game. His catching of the high balls, like he's been really really solid yeah. and really in terrible conditions, like terrible and conditions. Exactly, yeah. in a couple of games where the conditions have been awful, he's looked super super solid, and he's actually a smart defender too. He doesn't like, he never hits hard or anything like that. He's not going to hit you hard in a rook or hit you hard in a tackle. Not that kind of player. But he rarely makes a defensive error as well, and he's hard to get past as well. So, um, no, I, I don't know. I really like. I think he's been playing great rugby. He's been a bit of a savior for Munster in this period. So, um, you know, I think uh, interesting to watch that space about whether he gets back into uh, definitely. Well, I, I feel like when you think about how far back he's been coming from, it just shows you a couple of good games. If you're starting, as you say, in one of the provinces, like you're only competing with with three other guys really. And in fairness, we haven't seen unbelievable showings from. You know, a, a Connacht fifteen or or Ulster fifteen. I don't think 
over the last couple of weeks. So yeah, he, he's probably top two in the country at this point, but he might not get in the squad. Which yeah, well, he has. I don't think he's been in an Andy Farrell squad yet, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there's, like, I don't know. Like he, to be fair, he hasn't played much big games since he's come back from from racing. Like oh, between injuries, injury run. yeah, injuries, and he had a, he had an ill time suspension at one stage, and you know between that and a bit of form, like he, Andy Farrell hasn't really taken a look at him. And we've seen in the past, like say for someone like Jean Klein, who wasn't in any Andy Farrell squads, started playing a good bit, of, you know, some good rugby, and Andy Farrell still was reluctant to bring him in. Obviously, he ended up going to South Africa. So I will be interested to see, like, does Andy Farrell prefer just to kind of work with the guys? And we've seen that with other international coaches. Joe Schmidt used to have guys he liked to have in his squad too. Maybe into other people we'd be calling for occasionally that wouldn't get looked in. Like coaches do have the kind of the guys they like, and and that might be enough to maybe keep Zebo out. Unfortunately, even if he is playing well. Yeah, because that's really the only basis that you will be leaving him out of the squad, isn't it? Like, it's certainly not on rugby playing ability, I don't think. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, he's kind of, he he can kind of be a bit, um, I wish I had another word, but vociferous is probably the only, is the one that's coming to my mind. Um, just about how he likes to train and how he likes to think about coming into a game, nice and relaxed and all that kind of stuff. And I just wonder how much that would suit what's kind of happening in the Ireland squads, Will. Um you know, but it would surely suit it more than it did when Josh Schmidt was the coach. Like by all accounts, it's a more relaxed environment now. No, it is. I think you know when you look at Mac Hansen and these guys. But I, I don't. I still don't think it's that far away from that. Will I still think if you look at Mac Hansen's game, yes, his talk can be a little bit loose. But for the most part, his rugby has really improved. If you look at his technical ability from when he came to Ireland uh, to now, like he's really been brought on as a rugby player. You know, and yes, they play you know, with the ball more. They like to have the ball a bit more. They have more license to do a few more things, which will definitely suit Zebo. I still think they train unbelievably hard and, and uh, you know, they're still, you know, like to be kind of deep in the analysis and they, they definitely don't leave any of the kind of mental stuff out of the game, you know. So I, I they, there's a lot of stuff that they have taken on from the Joe Schmidt era that I think, you know, you wouldn't drop. You know, you still, those standards are still pretty high, I think. And, you, you know, you do wonder what he say, well, look, you know, Zebo likes to, you know, he's his own man. You know, he likes to, he likes to play a certain way. He likes to think a certain way about the game. He has oodles of ability. There's never any a doubt about that. But does he fit maybe with, with the squad or does he kind of upset things a little bit? That's that's maybe the only thing that you might say, Um, particularly if you've got, you know, a bit of changeover with Sexton, et cetera, you know, that you, you have to deal with. Is, is that another thing that you want to include into the setup? Like, does it, does it potentially um upset things a little bit? Um. I've never found Zebo to be like kind of disruptor rental like that. Really, really good guy. But you, we do, we all do know that, you know, he does have a big personality and he has a certain way of thinking about it. Like, so I don't think there's any any denying that. You know, he's given interviews to that effect as well. That he just, you know, he felt the setup was a bit constricting. You know, so um, you would wonder will it fit or will he fit in there? So we wait and see. Like on rugby playing ability, I think he definitely would be in there. Will I think? Yeah, it's 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 funny you mentioned like Munster uh, and you know beating South Africa a couple of years ago, South Africa A, and how it was a big catalyst for for, for the team. But he was like the only guy who played that night and played well who didn't kind of get the just desserts. Like it was a home game for him. He grew up very near Porky Cueve. He played class. He scored a try, and then between injuries and and stuff, he never really got to kick on the way all the other guys that day. Like I think it was Antoine Frisch's first game. He was class of the rest of the year. A few other guys played that day, and they went on to win the league and and have great seasons. Whereas Simon Zebo, so I'd love to see even just from a personal level to see him get that bit of run of you know form or a run of, of fitness and big matches and Ireland squad or not even just to get that back he hasn't even really got that since he's come back so I just on a personal level would like to see oh, it too look, I'm a big fan as well I love how he plays he was a, go- a good guy to play with as well um, you know and he's got all the skills great kicking game great passing game and he could actually be with Earls and Conway both kind of leaving the setup this year 
I think I thought this was going to be a big year for him. Now, obviously, it looks like they're kind of pretty much injury ridden, you know, and may not be able to, you know, that, that it might be just too late for them to get back in any kind of good position uh, by the time all those players are back fit. Um, or they'd certainly have to do it the really, really hard way if they do. Um, I thought this might be a big season for him as kind of a senior guy bringing in Daly and Nash. You know, he could be the guy that kind of gels that back three and makes them pretty potent because I do think Nankabel looks like a very good player and I like Frisch. And I thought Crowley would have a big year too. So I actually thought this was going to be an even better year for Munster possibly. But obviously we're in the situation we're in at this stage. And it looks like it might be just, um, I don't know, I suppose, managing managing the way through this and not making it too ugly based on the injury list. Yeah, and then just on Connacht, like a huge win for them. I think they lost five in a row. Obviously, we've you know we talked before where they had had this awful fixture list of like South African trips and Saracens away and that sickener to, against Leinster where they actually played well and still lost. So just to get the win, obviously awful conditions. But I, like you know, how impressive were you or how impressed sorry were you with, with their kind of, you know, kind of sticking yeah, in the fight getting the win? They thought they were good. Like they, they do need to stop shooting themselves in the foot, though. I mean, they made that like the, those blockdowns. I mean, Munster, like on another day, like they probably should have been fourteen. That should have been fourteen points for them, really. You know, um, and it didn't really take anything other than effort. Like you always want a team to have to, you know, pull something out of the bag or a beautiful piece of skill to break you down or something like that will. But you never want to be doing it to yourself. And I, and I just think if you look at Connacht, there's. They've had a couple of weeks of that now. I think the Leinster one would have been really deflating for them. I was glad you mentioned that one because I think that was probably what led into those two Heineken Cup games, you know, where they just looked a little bit jaded or just didn't look themselves. I know they get put up a decent fight in terms of points that they scored against Saracens, but conceding over 50 was, was embarrassing. And then the Bordeaux match at home, not good enough. I think they're a better team than they showed there. So I was really pleased with them. I was glad they got the try at the end because it kind of put a little bit of a gloss on it and would have they would have felt good about that as well, Will. So um yeah, no, it was a good showing by, by Connacht and they and they won comfortably enough in the end. Um and I'm sure hopefully like that'll be something that they can kind of kick on with now. I, I think what I will say, you know, having Hansen and Aki in that back line is pretty important for them. Um, you know, I, I do think they need him. They don't they don't you wouldn't want him out for like kind of a month or two now with a bad kind of sh- obviously Ireland would, would be a disaster for Ireland too, yeah. but it'd be a real disaster for Connacht. I think he's a big part of what goes on there. You know, you think about the Leinster game; he was the guy that threw the key pass at the start of that game. Um, you know, for the Hawkshaw try, um, he's a big player for them. You know, he had a few sloppy kicks on the weekend, but generally speaking, he's he's a real quality operator. As I said earlier in the podcast, I'm a huge fan of his, and I think you know alongside Blade, I think JJ's been a good signing for them as well. I mean, his kicking was really, really good in the weekend. I thought, yeah, like uh, when I cut to the close-ups, kicking those penalties, like the the the, the, the win and the sideways rain. Yeah, even though it was no, the post, good. I was like, oh my god, kicks, like, like, this, yeah, they were. This like, is a to tough put them in that good. position before the yeah. try. Like that must have been really, really pleasing for him, you know. And obviously, Cardi comes on and he keeps the kicking tee. So there's obviously a good vote of confidence in him there. Um, so yeah, no, I think um, looked like they've been pretty astute. I think that that four pack actually looks f- fairly meaty when they've got the full the full t- the, the full kit out. You know, I think um, you know that back row they were they made the up. I did think they rode their luck with the referee, but you can only play what's there. And I thought they played them pretty well because they made Munster's ball miserable all day. Um, they look pretty illegal to me a lot, but they still were very very good. Uh, and I think that's a good front row with Heffern and Beelham. Um, and I do like, um, sorry, uh, I, I know that uh, Buckley is there, but I do think that, um, oh God. Peter um, Dooley. Dooley, God, I can't, I'm so sorry. I, for, <laughs> I played with Dooley for age as well. Poor Great Peter Dooley. Sorry, 
Sorry, Julie. Hope you spent ten years, years playing professional rugby, and then someone just forgets your name. <laughs> I know, sorry, sorry, <laughs> man. Uh, I'm not getting much kip with these two babies. Disaster. But um, yeah, no, Dooley. I like that looked like a really good front row, didn't it, Will? And, and I think they would made life very, very difficult for for Munster um, throughout that match, and, and probably bar those messy. I'm a big Joe Joyce fan as well. The news. I look. Row. I have to say, no, they they look good, didn't they? That pack is good. You know, when they're on their day. Um, they're they're very very difficult to play against, and I think in the sports grounds particularly. So, um, yeah, overall they'll be really pleased to have ended that period, um, with uh with, with the win, you know, because they should have got that Leinster win at the start of it. That was thrown away, and um, you know, I think they were good for the win on the weekend, even though Munster had a few big opportunities. Well, all in all, it was a very exciting start to rugby in 2024. I'd like to thank Luke for joining me on the first episode of the Left Wing Podcast of the new year. We will be back next week with another show to discuss all the latest rugby news. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, have a great new year and goodbye.